0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. with your co-hosts, Father and Son Duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us, and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Before we introduce today's excellent guest, as always, we would like to thank our listeners for tuning in and being on this journey with us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you feel like there's some value being taken from an episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So if you could review and rate the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. If you would like to get hold of us, you can do so on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and you can go to our website www.thegolddustcoach.com For today's episode of the Golders Podcast, we're excited to welcome on Sean Wayne. Sean is currently the head coach of England's rugby league team and will be leading his country out in the World Cup later this year. He was previously the head coach at his hometown club, Wigan Warriors, where he spent several years and had a great deal of success, which we will touch on in this interview. I think it's also important to note that during his seven years at Wigan Warriors, he gave 52 debuts out and 41 of those players came through the academy system that he helped to build. Sean's journey to being one of rugby league's greatest coaches is a fascinating one. And he shares with us in this episode so many tools and tricks that he used to get success out of the people he worked with. Sean, thank you and welcome to the Golders Podcast. We really appreciate you uh, coming on and we're excited to have you with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, look, we'll jump straight into the questions. So, as we've mentioned, you were head coach at Wigan Warriors. Now... In your tenure at Wigan, between 2011 and 2018, the team and the club appeared in five grand finals, winning three of them. You also won the Challenge Cup, World Club Challenge. And without saying that, period where you were in charge was just an era of dominance for Wigan Warriors under your leadership. How did you maintain those high standards consistently over such an extended period of time?
1: Um, I, I never had a day off. We, 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 me, my staff, everybody was driven every day for... It, it doesn't matter if it was the pre-season or the, the day before the grand final. Um, I don't mean rugby standards. I mean standards off the field, standards on the field. It was um, respect to speak, people you speak to in the in the gym, making sure the gym was tidy, used you spoke to the chef, the lady who helped the chef, and we just didn't have days off, we didn't um, relax towards the end of the year, it was um, making sure the small detail was stuck to every single day, and um, and I think that helped us a lot, you know, I, I, I was a stickler for standards and detail, and um, and I was lucky that I had a lot of staff what, Bought into it and understood that I wasn't being pedantic. Uh, there was a reason why I wanted um, perfection in everything. and everything, and 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 there there was great, you know. some staff didn't uh, like it, you know, left us didn't stay with us. So,
2: so I mean, recently you were quoted as saying, "I have a belief that players want to know where they stand, and that you tell everybody everything." Uh, You had an experience as a player uh, that led to you feeling this way. Can you share with us what that experience was?
1: Yeah, it was um, when I was, i have been at Wigan for nine and a half years, just coming up to my testimonial, playing for my hometown club, won trophies, playing with my mates, you know, driving three minutes down the road to Central Park training, very happy. And, um, and then one day, Morris got me in and said, you know, we've had an offer from Leeds. We've accepted it. And uh, you're going. And I said, well, I don't want to go. That's it. I've, I've, I want to stay here. And and he said, uh, well, the coach, then then the coach was John Mourney, the Australian coach. He said, he doesn't like you, doesn't rate you. And, uh, and I thought to myself, I wanted to know that six months ago. So I had a chance to fix it and do something about it. And, um, and it stuck with me. I didn't know I wanted to be a coach then, but I remember it absolutely gutted me.
2: How old were you, Sean? Then I was 26,
1: 26, 27, yeah, 27, and a bit working on my life just before my testimonial year. And, uh, and I definitely didn't want to go, but I didn't want that put on my toes that day that day they'd accepted it. I, w- I wanted a chance to find out of John Mooney what it what he didn't like about me. And I wanted I wanted a chance to fix it and stay at Wigan. But I didn't get that. So I signed at Leeds, had a great time at Leeds, but it wasn't Wigan. And uh, and I always remembered then um every player, whether I coach it under 15s or uh, Wigging first team at, at Old Trafford, um everybody'll know where they stand uh, uh, if I'm happy, if I'm not happy. If I like how to play, I don't like her to play. If I like her to behave off the field or I don't like her to behave, um, just tell everybody everything, you know. And then when it comes to a time that you're part in um, they've seen it coming. You know, they've had a chance to fix it. Mm. Um, and, and and players seem to appreciate that. I, yeah. I, I do honestly think that, you know, I don't want to be um, sacked tomorrow. You know, I, I want to know that um, there's a problem we don't like what, what you're doing so this is what the problem is and you give people time to fix it that's yeah. the that's the real way to, to do to, in my eyes is how to do it
2: Yeah, so
1: ob- obviously
2: what is very evident then based off your answer is honesty is very high up on your hierarchy of values
1: Yeah, it, it, it is it is um but it, what, what is key to me is um, I was coaching players at, at Wigan. Um, wigan ball lads and lads from Australia, from all over the world. Um, and they loved it. They loved it. They wanted to play first team. And that was my job. That was my job, to make sure that everybody knew, Sean O'Loughlin or else a, a, a 16-year-old Sam Tompkins. Um, they needed to know um, where they stood, how they stood, um, what they're good at, what they need to improve on, and the things they need to improve on, then I, I was always there to try and make them better. And um, yeah. I think everybody wants that. I want to be told. I don't want to be <laughs> sulking. My daughters, I've, I've always brought my, my daughters up that you know don't walk off sulking. You know, if you're not happy with what I've said, I've done, tell me, and I'll give you the reason again why I've done it. You know, but don't sulk for an hour. And, and yeah, get <laughs> it out, sort it out. And, can't, can't be bothered without sulking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: are, there, are there any times or situations where you've had to actually hold back from that? From being... Because there's, there's there's being honest, brutally honest. And there is there are certain ways, you know, to get your message across.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I am... You know, I've, I'm, a, I'm a family man. I've got two kids. I, I adore them. And I would never want to... Um, I'm always straight with them. Um, but I would never want to see them hurt. You know, I'm yeah. very protective dad. And it's the same with rugby players. You know, whether I'm dealing with a 28-year-old Ben Flower or else a, a 16-year-old Sam Tompkins when you know when he was a kid. Um, I don't want him going home upset. Uh you know, so you need to understand the personality of the player. I could say anything I wanted to Sean O'Flynn. I could. He wanted. He wanted it straight between the eyes. Um, exactly um, what I thought, and nothing bothered him. Whereas you can get another player who's who's quite sensitive, and I wouldn't be as direct, but I would tell him. He he would get. He would get exactly what I'm thinking, but in the manner my man would change mm. just to make sure I don't want him going on upset you know I, I, you can, I play can go up and go home and he's not happy um, he knows he needs to improve he knows he needs to improve or else I'm going to get rid of him you know it's you know them sort of messes in, in, in professional sport it's not like looking at, at, at a bank it's professional sport so you'll get, you'll get a lot of help off me but there comes to a time where that help that help finishes, yeah. and then we both realize that you can't do what I need you to do. And then we need to part ways. So it's um, so I do understand the personalities of people, but but the fact is, um, I have to tell them. They have to know, you know, what I'm happy with and what I'm not happy with.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's very evident from your standpoint that you learn from experiences and in in that certain scenario with your experience as a player was something that you didn't want to you didn't enjoy going through and you didn't want to you didn't want to subject your players to now as well as that learning experience your upbringing and you've you've spoke about it in the past was a challenging one um in your teens you had you had issues that you had to deal with can you share those how those experienced out? Uh, Sean Wayne, the player, the
1: dad, and the coach. Yeah, it made me it made me a better dad. There's no there's no question about that, you know. Um, because I, I have a fantastic relationship with my two kids in the you know, the 30, 31 and twenty-nine now. And uh, we speak every single day. And um, and I've never ever laid a finger on my kids. I, you know, I'm strict with about manners and common sense, and you know, driving home to them about punctuality and stuff. But we have a great, fantastic relationship now. I love them to pieces. But I do remember thinking as a as a young kid, as a six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, um, thinking that this is bad. This is a bad feeling. And then when the kids were born, the eldest were born Bethan. I I I remember feeling that responsibility of having a kid, having a baby, thinking that she's never ever going to feel the way I felt. And um, and it was as simple as that, and she never has done, and she never will do. And you I, I won't I won't wish it on any other human being. You know what I mean? It was um, it was it was shocking. It was bad, no no question. And. Um, and there's no there's no need for it you know but i remember at the time when i was a kid um and I, I thought everybody everybody brought up like me and you know i thought everybody's house was freezing i thought everybody's dad um smashed out of them when they did something wrong it's only when uh, i left home when i was 15 i went to my, my wife's house my girlfriend's house then it's now my wife and um and their house was warm and central eating on. i had my own bed and the they the food at night and have food in the fridge and and, uh, and the mum and dad thought the world of her. You know what I mean? So I think I, I you know I, I was shocked. I was I was actually shocked um, at what was going on because I thought everybody, everybody lived like I did.
2: In your early teens, you had a bit of you got yourself in a bit of bother, I believe, with the uh, with the bobbies.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, many times, <laughs> many times I did some, um, I did some. I'm embarrassed to talk about some of the things I did, but in the area where I lived, um, you, you you had to stick up for yourself, you you had to look after yourself, and you couldn't let anybody take the take the mickey out of you, and um, and that's drilled in you from four, five, six year old, and um, so. I, I got a load of mates and we did we did some shockingly bad things which you know I'm embarrassed about but yeah when I was 15 I, I rang in a bomb scare to school I, I have not been to school for a long long time and I rang in a bomb school and got the school evacuated and we got arrested and, and that was um, <laughs> and that was my last day at home you know I, I'm embarrassed <laughs> about that now but you know I was I was going down that path um, of trouble I was I was you know, I was fighting every night and fighting with men and doing some horrendous things. And, and, then, uh, and then that night I went home with my dad. You know, my dad nearly killed me. Yeah. Um, I, ran out, I ran into our house and never went home again at 15. Mm. And I went to my girlfriend's house and, and um, everything picked up from then. And from that
0: moment, Sean, you, you obviously went on and played for Wigan. You touched a little bit. You went on to Leeds as well, and then went into to coaching. But you weren't after you finished playing. You weren't always coaching full time. Can you delve into the experiences leading up to that?
1: Yeah, well, back to playing, then I did my Class Two um, wagon driver's license, and I thought I'll always be I'll always be able to earn hundred quid a day. You know, I just thought I'll always be be able to earn, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it for long. But I did that in my class too. I went into sales and in construction. I uh, worked for some re- really good companies. Uh, the best company I worked for was Tarmac. Um, I was key account manager for Tarmac in Greater Manchester. I loved that job. Um, still speak to my bosses then. And, um, and I was coaching the kids at Wigan at the same time. So I was doing that 100 hours a week for about 10 years. From, two, from 2000 to 2010, I was doing 1,800 more hours a week. I had two young kids. Um, my family and life definitely suffered, but I was that obsessed about being the best at tarmac and selling more concrete than anybody else. Um, you know, I wanted my under-17s team, under-18s team, whoever I coached at the time, I wanted them to be the best. So, you know, I was finishing dinner, getting in my car, clipping training, clipping games. Because I was on my own, we had no analysts. An analysis fella. Then, um, so I did everything myself. And um, but you know, the hours I put in was horrendous. You know, and I didn't see my kids as much. But my wife always understood that I wanted to coach, so she she's always uh, backed me and helped me, and never asked me about stuff. You know, I've never had. You know, I can't, I can't wire a plug. I can't change a bulb. before I get people in because I've always been working. And um, But she's always understood that, you know what I mean? It's um, She's been very, very supportive to me.
2: So as a, a leader, some of those inherent skills and qualities that you brought through your teens and then into your, into your working life, you'll have some non-negotiables for the yeah. environments that you work in and what you're currently doing. Can you share some of those non-negotiables with us?
1: Yeah, I like um, I like players who want to improve. I like people who want to improve, want to get better. I'm you know I'm fifty six and um, I've I've done a lot, um, but I'm doing courses, I'm doing CEO courses, and and um, I I don't like players being happy, being sad. I don't I like them being happy. That's wrong. I like them being happy. I don't like them being satisfied. I don't like I don't like my daughters being satisfied. Um I want yeah. I want them always to think what's next. I want them to be ambitious and I want them to um always wanna get better and and, and, and never not be happy with what they've got. And I'm it's quite sad that really when I say that. But I like players um you know, when I speak to England now, I want players. I've got a few meetings tonight. Um, but I like players. What? When I ask them, what do you think you need to improve on? I like them what rhyme a few things off. If I said to Sean Lachlan, when he was at his best, um, what do you think you're lacking in your game? I'd have to slap him to shut him up because he just named me that many things. the most perfect rugby player in the, in, in the world. He thinks he's got that many flaws in his game. It's untrue, and that what that's what makes him makes him the best.
2: Do you think that Sean has been? I mean, that would have been in, inerrant from from him, from inside of him. Do you think you drove some of that because of the questioning, constantly pushing and driving them to become the best that they can become?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I would own him every single day. In, you know, I can walk through the gym, and he, he can be chatting, and and I'll just throw a comment over him that you know, why you chatting? Could you be? Could you not be stretching, a rolling, a passing, and just a little comment, and um, and and it was slowly drip feed. It took it took the players that when I when I got the job in two thousand eleven, it took the players a fair while to uh, you know understand my weird, my weird ways at the end they didn't, they didn't think it was weird um, you understand that I just wanted the best for them so I used to wound them you know and um, and that's one thing with lockers I could say something to me in the gym I can I can we could go down to London to play in London in the hotel and um, and I can hear George Williams at the reception speaking to a lady and I'll say to him at dinner um, I heard you say uh, your manners with that woman at reception was fantastic. Mm. I like it. Mm-hmm. And he'll be thinking, Why does he listen to me conversation? <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking, but slowly but surely, you know, all all the lads who I don't coach now, I have coached, best of mates, you know, they the send me messages, we have FaceTimes, and, um, you know, so they must understand that I care about them for the right mm-hmm.
2: way. Those little subtleties are. Uh that's the inner skill of coaching it's expected or the expectations from spectators looking at somebody like yourself is it's just on field stuff. But those little nuances that you're picking up, not listening, you, but you're very acutely aware of those nice little a saying a thank you or a little bit of courtesy there. It goes a, it goes a good way, doesn't it?
1: It absolutely does. And it's, that's, that's my job, is, is to make them, you know, carry on the good work of what the parents did and and carry on making them good people. You know, I didn't want that receptionist thinking that George Williams was an idiot, because he's not. George Williams is a nice guy, um but sometimes he's forgetful. So I, I just like them knowing that uh, I do hear things and I take notice <laughs> of detail. And I'm going to tell you, if you, do, you know, if, if you don't, you know we have standards at the club we take our plates back you know the decent thing we take our plates back in the kitchen when we've eaten yeah but when we signed new player i remember we signed to leave and he come and got up because waitfield didn't do that wasn't well, it i don't i don't think i got fed not waitfield but he got up to walk off and lock and said mate you take your plate back here you, you you wash it and they're all oh, right and then so the players managed it themselves you know like all of the standards things and you know and they didn't have that when I got there, you know, yeah. when I got there
2: in 2010. It's the those personal self-administration. And yeah. uh, what they do is representation of the, the representation of a, 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 a wonderful club in Wigan and other clubs that you've represented of course now with England. Yeah. Uh, so those qualities that are very close uh, might be different for some, but they they don't know who else is watching them. That's the important thing, Sean. So yeah. you, you, you're listening to a player and you're picking up on what he said and you're recognising that, but who else is listening to those types of interactions? Because they're looked upon as big superstars, aren't they, some of these players? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the little things could be, well, what we perceive to be little things and massive things in a spectator's life. Uh, yeah. Now they come across.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always thought my job was to uh, improve them, not as rugby players, as, as men. And um, and, I, and I remember years and years and years ago, I don't know when this was, but coaching setbacks under-15s, and um, there was a couple of players on there. But the first night I went down, there was four players there. And they ended up, at the end of the year, 36 players to train in. And uh, so the word got round that it was it was a nice station, nice feel, and a good place to be. So we got all these fourteen and fifteen year olds down. And uh, but there was a couple of kids. One one particular kid up wing, and it wasn't that good. But he turned up and he trained, and he was shy, and he wasn't the most popular person. And um, you know, and I wanted him to kick on. I wanted him to be a bit more popular and a bit more. Uh, a bit more confident. And, you know, so I played him in nearly every game. And, and I remember towards the end of the year, he scored a couple of tries and his teammates ran to him and hugged him. And he felt happy and he felt a bit more confident. And people call his name. And and uh, I think that's coaching, you know, not not coaching in that team with Bob Bezic. And uh, it's easy to coach Bob, Bob Bezic. And I, I mean, don't, don't neglect people like, like him. Um, but it's it's your job to coach to make everybody better. It's my job to make that kid feel a bit more confident. He might not be a great professional rugby player. and He, he didn't. He went on to have a great career in something else, you know. But in that year, his confidence must have would have grown, and he, and I think that's coaching, you know. And, and it absolutely destroys me when I go watching some teams. And I see three kids at the side of the field and they're not on the field. And when, when I found out why, because they're not that good. And I think that is disgusting because them are the three players, what should be playing? You know, don't make it obvious to all the good players on the field that there are three worst players when they're only 12 or 13. Real coaching is making them better and giving them some confidence and picking them before your best players. And that's your job as a coach. And even at my and even at my level well my, my job relied on winning stuff um, you know I, I, I we have a squad of one to 32 or 1 to 35 whatever we had but my job with number 35 34 33 even though they're not playing first team I, I have to improve them they have to get better you know they, I, every chance I could I wanted to play first team I wanted to see where they stood. I want them to make them good people, make them feel a bit more popular. The first team should so be always trained with us. And that's coaching. So that, that selfish attitude of, I want to play my best players and I want us to win every game because you want to as a coach. To me, that's unforgivable. That's unforgivable. What about them kids that's not played for three weeks and they're freezing and they turn up every week? I'm uh... ranting, don't i am ranting do to... not <laughs> You're passionate, passionate about
0: it, there's no doubt. You're passionate and it's very evident that you uh, you care about people. When I don't want to say players, I don't think it is. I think it's just that you care about people. And yeah. for you personally, you have that level of care, but you also have high standards and you have values that lead to how you operate. What are some of your key values and, and how do they help shape Sean Wayne? the coach?
1: Um, like I would have things about um, punctuality, turning up on time. So, to me, being on time is late. So, we have a meeting, a, a meeting in the morning, a video meeting at seven o'clock. I want the players to do it for half six. If you walk in at seven o'clock for a seven o'clock meeting, um, to me, you're late. So, on time is late. So, think like that and, and, and making sure the players understand Um values so that go back to that tell everybody everything you know don't don't one day have a meeting and let players walk in at seven and then say right you're fine because to me uh on times late i mean tell tell them all this is what i think you know when we travel on the coach when we finish i want that coach to be clean and pristine because it's not that coach driver's job so i don't think i don't think better result I, I do care about are uh, you be that coach, and when you get off, and what that coach driver thinks, and what that coach driver's company boss thinks, you know. But uh, we send that coach back and have respect, you know. Don't drop things on the floor. I'm 56. My table was tattered, and I, I, and and that was like when we come back from Old Trafford, you know, when we when we won grand finals, we tattered the coach. Come back from Wembley, the coach got Um So relentless with 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 everything we did, because. When we played and our game plans and how we practised, I wanted that much detail. You know, our leads have to have to be on 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 you know on sand to the to the split second. And I wanted perfection and people I've heard people say you can't, you know, you can't get perfection. Well I'm gonna aim for perfection, you know, as I said to the players, I'm we're gonna aim for perfection. Because if we don't quite get there, we're doing okay. And uh, and and that was all my that was all my thinking all my thinking. So I, I used to think we can't be late for meetings and sloppy on the coach, and, and and leave rubbish everywhere and be ignorant to people. And expect that detail that per that perfection on the field. You know, the two don't correlate. You can't do it. You can't pick and choose which one you do. So we we just nail off the field and nail on the field, and it and, and, and it worked for me. And it's you know the way I think and. The way I coached and my beliefs and and our culture we had, um, I'm not saying it's right. Uh, what I'm saying is it worked for me and it worked for the teams who I coached. And uh, other coaches will have different views on it, and it works for them, you know. But but I can only do it one way, you know. It's the standards and values what we stick to, and it's 365 days a year, and uh, there's no let up. You know, we don't ease off towards the grand final because we've got to a grand final. Uh, Our grand final was the hardest week you know, of the year because I was so desperate to make sure we won it.
0: And look, you're the leader of the environment. You've created this environment and you did mention earlier on about the staff that you have with you were the ones that didn't buy in, soon weren't with you. But for you as the leader of this environment, working in the elite level, how important was it for you to listen to those staff and also the experienced players that you work with?
1: Really, really important because, you know, I've got staff like Matt Bickham, who's at Man City now, who were my direct performance. And he, he, he knows more than me on many, many things. Even though I was his boss, um, I listened to him immensely. I coach Sean O'Loughlin, Tommy Lulawise, Sam Tompkins, Liam Farrell, Sam Powell. Um, you know, who am I? You know, them all them players of the players are named then and many, many others who are coached, they're all better than me as a player. So who am I not to listen to their point of view? You know, I want one thing, and I want the only thing I want is to win games, win trophies, win is the only thing. And um, so I'm not bothered who said it to me. But if my wife, when to come home after a game, uh, my daughter, uh, Sean Lockley from the Lulawai, I'd listen to anybody. I'd listen to everything and check it on board. Mm-hmm. So I've always had that sort of... I wouldn't dismiss anybody um, offering advice about anything.
0: Well, you've also spoken about your interest in learning and taking tips from other sports, and you, you did actually want to go spend a bit of time around the Jacksonville Jaguars, the... Ant- NFL, uh, the NFL team, what did you take from that? And why is it important to learn from other sports as well?
1: Um, yeah, they, they have a different, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot with football still am, um, I speak to people in American football, um, rugby union, uh, business. And, um, every day I want it to be a learning day. I want to go to bed and got better. So other sports, really, really interested me on how they did things. And I was just looking at things, what they did, whether it be football, no matter what sport it was, was there anything what we could take away from it and pinch um, and use in league, what could improve us? And, you know, that was one of the same, what we had, what William was caring about, you know, make a better, you know, never being happy, always trying to improve everything. And, uh, and that's why I'm watching loads and loads of other sports and I watched lots of documentaries and I'm just trying to find just that 1% what Australia is not doing and New Zealand's not doing, a Tonga. Um, and and that's, that's, that's always been my mentality was just trying to get an extra
2: 1%. Now in a recent interview, Sean, you said the following, people feel the need to complicate simple things. And that's where I drive home making sure your, your core skill is the best it can be. And it's an approach that's brought plenty of success for you as, as the Wigan coach. Now, as a consequence of that, you've been named as the man of uh, man to lead the England national team at this year's Rugby League World Cup. In a, in a world that is constantly looking for the next best thing or new approaches, what challenges have you faced when sticking to your approach?
1: Yeah, when when I when I got into with England with the RFL, they had this player and it was it was big, thick, very very complicated, lots and lots of details. So we've gone from I've gone from day to day coaching with the club team to with the national team, where I have less time with them, and now I've got more information for them. So it, it just didn't stack up. So I'm thinking that you know the common sense tells me that we need to dig down. We don't have much time with our players, what we do at Clubland. So this was my conversation with Paul Wellens and Andy, last my assistants. So I am I was just saying, we need to drill down to some real, real um, key, specific, very, very important things. What's going to win us a game against Australia and New Zealand? You know, and we've ended up making a 90-page document into one-page there's lots of detail off it, but it's the best document I've ever done. There's that much thought gone in it. Everything makes sense and everything leads to how you can win games. If you do them things, uh, we'll will win games. And this is what I'm talking to the players about tonight, making it really, really simple. This is what I want to see of you and your club with your club teams. And um and it's it's so it's so uncomplicated, it's untrue. People, people, I found people, and I'm doing a lot of speaking, a lot of keynote speaking with industries, um, sporting organizations, and, uh, and I've had people talk to me and, uh, and I'm switched on, and I am switched on. And I've had people talk to me and come out with a, a two minute statement. And I've just said, so what you mean is, and I, I presented it back to him in three words, and he said, "Yeah," and I said, "Please, Matt, just send them words to me. You don't need to talk about two minutes to say them words. It doesn't impress me. Just tell me straight between my eyes, them simple things." And um, and, I, and that's what I've seen. I've, I've I've seen that in 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 rugby and rugby union. And and, it, and now I've got a bit older and I'm a bit more confident, and I know it. I see it. You know. Why have a massive document? What's well, great to everybody, but we don't do it. What's really complicated, nearly impossible to do. Let's have a real simple thing, which is hard to do, but you need to be fit to perform it. But it's very easy to understand. And, you know, I don't feel like I need to impress anybody anymore. I'm very, very confident with what I do. And this document I give to the players, they love it. You know, it's just so simple. But if we, we know, and I know... If we carry it out really well, we'll win games.
2: Uh, sounds like simplicity is the genius there. And I'm going to, you like it between the eye, you like it straight. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you a question. When you're first with difficult decisions, what lets you know you're making the right one?
1: That is a good question. Uh, and I've had a few of them in my life, mm. especially at Wigan, and I've not got them all right. I'm not gonna more right. Um what I have done a lot, you know, because I've known I've known my missus since I was eleven. I went started going out with them when I was 14 and we got married my, my 20, 20 odd. Um, so I used to run a lot by her. You know, I used to come home a lot when we we're going to in trouble at Wigan, you know, having loads of injuries. I'd come home and I'd say, you know, I'd say things and she'd give me her answer and and I think that's a strange answer. I come back a few days later <laughs> and change being right. So I, I listen to her a lot. But if, in my heart of heart, when I've, made, you know, I've had to go to work and make difficult decisions and sometimes instant ones, um, I've gone with a gut feeling. Mm. This, this will make sense to you. This will make sense. So when I, when I, when I took over in 2011, I've, I've been on the match, Mike McGuire. and I've been on some good coaches. I've listened and learned. Um, a a lot of coaches what I didn't like Uh, when I I was a player at Wigan you know I got bullied off coaches Um, you know so I've listened and learned over the years but when it come to uh, uh, that first year um, I was trying to you know what would somebody else do here and the, the half time team talk trying to think what other people would do and that year we won the league leaders and I thought that pre season, I remember saying to the missus, you know, I've not been myself. This is not me. And uh, I'm not going to get sacked at Wigan. And I've not been myself. I changed from when I was an under 18 coach, an under 19 coach. I felt like I needed to be different. And I said to her, I remember saying to her, season finished, you know, and we, we do know league leaders, you know, who weren't good enough for me. And and I remember saying, I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm I'm going to be myself, and and that's when I brought in about punctuality, coaches, overtrain. How, um, how we speak to people, you know, overtrain, you know, are you be you know, everything just come out, and um, and I was happy. And and if it hadn't worked out and I'd have got sacked, then I'd have been happy because I'd, I'd I'd have been myself. You know what I mean? I have got sat being Sean Wayne and not to be a lot of other coaches, and that was important to me, really, really important. And and, and, and gladly, it it worked. And and uh, was there a defining the
2: moment, Sean? Players? Was that a defining moment in your development? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. The, so the conversation that you had with your wife, all that, those were wo- those words of or pearls of wisdom from her, that's a, that's a significant time that actually helped shape you back then. For,
1: forever. Forever. You know, I, I, I do a bit of mentoring now with football coaches and rugby coaches. And uh, one, one bloke I've been speaking to recently, a very, very famous footballer, and I said to him, um, always remember, you know, go with your gut feeling. Whatever you feel, you should be doing. And it's very, very hard it's very, very hard to do. Um, but go with your gut feeling, what you feel, you know, what, what you're about, um, you know, mould your training around that, mould your team, mould your behaviours off the field around what you think's right. And it's, uh, I, I'm, it's well, he's taking, he, he's taking me now what I'm saying. But it's only now I feel confident saying it, saying it now because I'm 56, he's worked for me in my career. But I would never change now, I would never do anything different.
0: Now, I was just—it's funny—I was just about to ask you that question. You've—you've you've just stumped me. I was going to ask about the work that you're doing. So you're—you're you're working with former England and Chelsea footballer. You're speaking to John Terry, uh, Lee Westwood, and presenting on pro license. You have pro license, and I was going to ask what advice you would offer somebody working in elite va- environments as well as what you've said, is there anything else that you could add?
1: Yeah, I, I always thought, and now this is me, um, I, I was never going to get outworked. You know, I, I would, all, all the way through my coaching career, I've worked on Christmas Day. Sad, this is sad. But I've always worked on Christmas Day, got my laptop, boy, worked, thinking that there's nobody else working today, there's only me working. The might with other people working. And probably nobody Nobody else give a damn that. I was working, but I always mentally told myself that. Um, I've got my laptop, I did some clipping on Christmas Day. So I never wanted to be at work. I wanted to work out of everybody else. Um, I always wanted to, to um, oh, this is what I said on that UFO prolast. When you with your staff, is be relentless with telling them daily, every other day. If you're happy, if you're not happy, don't sit on things. I'm not good at sitting on things. Uh, I need to sort it you now, this minute, whether it's two in the morning or whether it's 12 in the afternoon, it doesn't matter. I need to sort it straight away. And that was the same with the staff. So I'll give the staff a lot of feedback, let them know what they are. Same with the players. Never be outworked. And was it was another one. Don't have another coaching, head coach, assistant coach working harder than you. You know, I, I, I have an obsessive. Personality, but what you know, my work ethic is um, hopefully uh, can't be beaten.
2: As we previously mentioned, uh, you got named England's rugby league coach. Uh, Since since you took over that role, Sean, Covid's it, and you've obviously been limited to field time uh, and haven't played any games. How are you preparing a group of players for a World Cup? when you haven't had any face-to-face or very limited face-to-face access to them?
1: Yeah, quite easy. You know, even when we get back to normal on the field, you know, I can organise a Zoom meeting and I can speak to uh, Elliot Whitehead, John John Burton, uh, James Gray and Paul Schoolthorpe. I can all at the same time. It's, it's easy. And I, I don't need to drive out to all or anywhere else. So it's quite easy for me to do that, and I'll still use it when things are back to normal. But at the minute, uh, what, I said, what I've said to everybody is, this is happening, and there's nothing we can do. So we have to make the best of it. So we are you know, going through lots of footage with the players, sending them lots of footage. Uh, they have to comment. They have to look at this footage and comment. Uh, it's all about, uh, if you want to be an England player, this is how you play. And that's what tonight's meetings are. So the are hour long meetings, and I'll go through certain games what they played in. I like this, I don't like that. If you want to play for England, keep doing this and more. If you don't, keep doing the other thing. And it's a very, very, very straightforward conversation. And, you know, and, and there's an element of current, you know, i ask the players out here and genuinely, and d- d- they need anything. My phone's on 24 hours a day. G you phone me, at, Four in the morning, I'll answer my phone. And, um, you know, so, and, it, and it's all genuinely meant. So I'm going through every player every every month trying to get as much information to the English players. But when we start training again in March or April, whenever it's going to be, we're at the ground running. So make sure they have all that information, is the, the, the only thing I'm in control of at the minute. And that's what we're doing really well.
2: When you're actually doing the assessment, looking through the footage? Are you watching, looking for footage of them, they, them personally, or is it of the opposition?
1: No, it's them personally doing England things. Right. There's certain things I want to see of us in attack. The There's certain things I want to see of an England player in defence. And if I see Liam Watts do something for Cas, um, what doesn't like, what doesn't look like an England player? Uh, does look like an England player? I'll show him. This is what I like here. What you've done here this is what I want you do for England. It's that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Mm. Sean, final question for you. If you were to describe yourself, what would you say?
1: <sighs> um, decent, honest blog. In one word or three words. Anything you want. Yeah. Um, I've never been asked that before.
2: You Wanted it between the eyes, didn't you? Yeah, I did. The I right like place, it. I,
1: like it. I like it. Um, describe myself would be, yeah, a, a decent block.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Decent block, I'd be happy with that.
0: Yeah. Nice, yeah. Well, I know we said you want it straight between the eyes. I'm a St. Tellings fan and, and a big one. I, I know, I, I couldn't look, I couldn't, we couldn't have this conversation at the start. We, but and and it the the funny thing is Sean, <laughs> every time it would be Saint Helens Wigan and it was Sean Wayne's Wigan team, he would always you'd always be going, oh, you don't fancy it. Um we don't fancy it today because we're playing against this just relentless, hard, high standards and just grind you down. Now, like I said, huge Saint Helens fan, but for me to yourself, having you on today has been incredible and your your journey, your story, the the things that you've shared for the on the podcast and and for the people that have been listening has been absolutely exceptional. And I know it it'll be probably for the first time. I, I'm going to say as a coach, I want you to win games. Uh, I know when the when the World Cup comes around, we'll be we'll be cheering England on. And I know under their guidance, I'm sure they'll. They'll be in a good place, and uh, yeah. we just want to thank you. It's been really, really good having you on today.
1: No, I've enjoyed it. Good questions, Jim, and th- thanks for that, and thanks for the curveball at the end. That was a good one, that. <laughs> what, what do I think? What do I think of myself? And, uh, that was a good one, that. I like it. Even though if you'd have said to me, you start you sent Helens I'd have still done it.
0: Brilliant. Well, it's good to know all that now. When Actually, I go back to St.
1: now, I went back to the St. the World Cup Challenge game. And uh, as a wing coach, you can imagine the st- stuff what's happened to me at St. Helens. And then I went back as the England coach and I was so welcomed by everybody. Wanted by me and my missy drinks. And you know, my missy said to me, um, I thought you would going to time here. I said, if I come on the coach, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very, very different to coming with you in the posh part and everybody treated me so well. So the Saints fans were all wishing me all the best and it makes me feel proud that we're English and, you know, everybody everybody behind the country.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more, or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com Thank you, everybody.